Welcome to the podcast with the agencybud.com system. Let's get growing. Hey everyone, this is Walt Bayless. I'm the host of the Business and People podcast. I have an incredible special guest with me, someone that's risen from the shadows of youth homelessness and has gone on to the heights of multi-million dollar executive sport and entertainment business. Some of the awards that this person has picked up include Keys to the City with Philadelphia and the Philadelphia Bell. He's been named Harvard University Man of the Year. He's been given awards, uh, the Proclamation Award of Honor from the United States uh, Congressional Proclamation Award of Honor. He's worked with absolute superstars, everything from NFL players through to uh, high-end boxing and Olympians. He's run their sports management for them. He has worked with uh, incredible artists, including LL Cool J and none other than 50 Cent. He is the man that has created the incredible philanthropic uh, organization over 20 years ago called the Book Bank Foundation, making sure that literacy is getting into the hands of people. It is my honor to introduce you to Dr. Glenn Toby. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. Mate, that, that is an incredible journey that you've been on. Like I, I've, when, I'm, when I'm looking to interview uh, somebody for the podcast, uh, you know, reading through that bio, I'm just, I'm sitting there, I'm saying to my wife, wow, wow, wow. The journey Thank that you've been on. And, and what I read there, Glenn, was that it, it's been founded in, uh, I guess, the, the harshest of situations. It's been ha- founded yeah. in homelessness in your youth. How did this yeah. all come together for you, man? Well, you know, as a uh, young man, uh, my brother and I, and my mother, we lived together with my grandmother. I w- it was in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Um, my mother was hardworking. She went through some horrible experiences at work. A woman of integrity and compassion for the world. Uh, from the stress, she broke down, had a nervous breakdown. We come home at the age of eight, all my toys, all of our belongings in the street, my brother and I, wow. pick it up. We're bouncing around to different relatives and, of course, uh, uh, housing support from the government. And we were homeless and displaced from eight years old to about the seventh grade. Um, during the seventh grade, um, education, learning, discipline, love, and quite a bit of religion were all, I think, the constructs that gave us the ability to have the tools to be competitive. And education was the pathway. We competed at the highest levels, at the strongest levels. Um, we had to, to fit in, you know, socially, uh, I think emotionally. And intellectually. So I had a chance, I knew at the seventh grade, to pivot that because I knew I was more than where society, the seat that I got gained in society. And it's all a game, it's not a takeaway. Wow. And so from, from there, you've gone on to then uh, found the sports management agency. You've got branches all across the states. You've worked with some of the biggest athletes on the planet. You've worked with musicians, you've worked with actors. I mean, how did you go from, from that realization that you can choose a better path, which I love, to then changing that into an incredible success story? Well, I mean, I think it's seeding. So, you know, obviously I had the greatest, my father was never in my life. I was raised by my mother and my grandmother. And it is dreaming, the dream consciousness. I think when you're in the dream state, when you're in a state of cognitivity, when conscious cognitivity is what we learn, right? It's what we, the environment that we're in, it's what we're taught, it's what we hold on to. But the untapped genius is the resonation of spirit. That's when you say to yourself, I can do better, I can be better. Or you say to yourself, this doesn't feel right. This isn't right. It's a call to action. And it's never gonna be a trumpet blown. It's not gonna be somebody else necessarily tapping you on the shoulder. They could give you a sign. Like when you're driving down the road, 
there's a sign that says, get off here. Yeah. You might intuitively know to get off because you're keeping an eye and you're probing. If you could be talking to your wife, to your friends, moving around, and that sign comes up, okay, here's a sign, let me read it. Doesn't matter how you're given the message, you have to waken up to the message, whether it's your own cognitivity and your sleep and your dreams and your experiences, or there is a trumpet that blows, and that could be an experience or an opportunity. It's your choice. And was, was there, and like, so obviously the, the, the uh, trauma, I guess, of being displaced out of home such a young age, was that the, the choice or was there something that you mentioned up until grade seven? Was there, a, was there a moment for you that was that sign? Was that the, the, did somebody put something in your hands or did something happen that make you go, whoa? Yeah, well, you know, obviously I didn't want to disappoint my parents. I realized I didn't want to go to jail. I didn't want to die. I didn't want my mother to be sick again. So I had to be, a, let's say, a good kid. I mean, all kids are mischievous and curious and we run around and we're kind of crazy, you know, from, I'd say, 17 to 27, we're trying to find ourselves. But I modeled, um, I took, I modeled the success of others, whether through books, whether it's reading about legends in the world, icons, iconoclastic people who have shaped the world, whether it was books and religion, looking at the martyrs and, and, and just studies. But I said, you know, hey, do I want to be this guy or that guy? Yeah, right. And then I measured myself in between and said, what do I need to do to be a little bit closer to the righteous guy than the guys that I'm losing every day in my neighborhood? Wow. People who, you know, they drugs, incarceration, mental illness, and that economic gap of disparity for generations that go on, people that blame somebody else for their lack of success. I said, I'm going to dedicate my life to this type of concentration, to the discipline and to self-awareness and compete with the world because I belong at the winner's table. Wow. And I had to continue to drive and fight to get there. That's wow, when the that's bell goes awesome. That's so cool, man. Like yeah. that, the, the, to have that ability to, to recognize the choice in front of you and to move consciously towards the, the second path is incredible. So is that the reason that you founded the, the Book Bank Foundation? That was, it's over 20 years ago that you've created something that's putting education into the hands of more people who don't necessarily have an opportunity to do that. Like reading about the Book Bank Foundation, which is uh, bookbankfoundation.org, uh, you know, some of the people that have been involved with that foundation and, and delivering that education out to people, like, that's an incredible story in itself. Well, you know, I, one day I sat back and I said to myself, how am I leading um, these leaders? Um, I was led from behind. True leaders lead from behind. It's example. It's building constructs. It's paradigms that are shifted and changed. And what happens is the ethos of what you believe in and what the works that you do become realistic. They become a mantra, right? It's a calling to men, right? Fisher of men. So I said to myself, how did I get here? I sat one day and I looked around my situation. I said, it was education. It was reading. It was museums. It was definitely discipline and obedience. And I thought about books, right? You think of books are the way of education. Think of banks. You have a spiritual bank, emotional bank, a financial bank. And, and all of these banks are reservoirs that hold treasure and good things. So I put those two together and said, with ed education, you will have a treasure. If you manage the treasure, you'll be able to be like a real bank, loan it out, give it out, take it in, and have an effective balance like a checkbook, a balanced human being. So I put books and banks together and we have the Book Bank Foundation. Wow, that's so cool, man. And, and take, take me back to the start. Like there was 1998, how did it start? Did you, did you get a bunch of books, take them to the neighborhood? Like what was day one? Wow, it's amazing you said that. The first time I was working with a, a rap uh, group, I think it was David Banner, uh, from Crooked Letters, who's a rapper. 
And I went into Mississippi, which was, you know, an oppressed uh, area economically. It has a lot of racial strife, political indifference. So we came through with just the theme of being modest and talking about education and respect. And we took the toughest city we could find and we did workshops with speaking, spoken word, poetry, uh, writing um, little uh, essays and bringing celebrity in. And it continued to grow and individually each state we would come in to meet with other leaders and other important people. And it ended up coming back home. Uh, in fact, we're doing something uh, December 15th this year. It's called Shelter from the Streets. We go to all five boroughs. We go into shelters and we bring clothing, uh, food, toys, medication, and words of inspiration to people who throughout the city. And we do constant programs throughout the year. We have one called One Block at a Time. It was founded by one of our members, Anthony Jackson. And we go into the urban community and we clean up that community and inspire others to continue to maintain it because cleanliness starts within you know it's closest wow. to god leaders. that's so amazing man it's, and and to hear you say one block at a time like i know that, that as you said it was started from one of your colleagues my uh my personal personal side note my auntie and uncle were missionaries and they were missionaries through into india uh and they came they were home with me one time for dinner and and i said to them how do you how do you help a country like india and it was my uncle, actually, a missionary sitting at the end of the table. And he said to me, one person at a time, man. Wow, absolutely. One, one day at a time. time. Yeah, one moment at a time. That's it. So have you seen some of those stories that have come out of the workshops that you've done and those early interactions with kids and, and directing them into the right paths and channels? Tell me some of the stories that have come out of that, Glenn. Like, tell me about some of the kids that have come like yourself from that shadow of poverty and, and been able to move through as a result. Well, constantly, you know, over the, so we go to these inner city shelters and sometimes you'll have a family that miraculously just gets up and gets on. I mean, I'm talking, we get really on, right? Middle class, upper class, the great things in society. And there's some people you'll see for two, three years. I've had times where I've had kids that I've recognized when they were 12 and 14. I see them at 20 years old. They say, hey, I remember you from Book Bank. You helped me. Wow. It hits you in the soul. It, it takes your breath away. Um, there's times where you meet people who you are providing their child with the first toy they've ever had. You're giving a woman a coat or a man a suit or a pair of shoes that somebody can go out and make the difference. It's just amazing. But the wow. work is so impactful, you don't have time to kind of celebrate or really resonate in it. You just have to keep the work going. Because uh, um, as Barbara Tucker, a dear friend, house music artist, as well as one of the board members, she always reminds us that the Bible says that uh, there'll always be the poor amongst you. So yeah. we're going to always have people that have a little bit less than we do. Just human nature, whether it's less patience, less wisdom, less experience, less money, less love, less grace, less understanding. So we're, we should be a more society. You know, People should be wanting to give more. Those of us that have more, it's meant to share. It's a blessing to have. Wow. Man, I love it. Glenn, can I ask you, you know, the, the work that you're doing with the Book Bank Foundation, I, I just, I'm so in awe of that. Can I, can I rewind a little bit? As a man who has felt the difference that education has made for you, when Harvard University named you as Man of the Year, how was that feeling? Well, it was amazing. I was brought in by actually Samir Lane, who happens to be the great Samir Lane, who is uh, an Olympian. Uh, he, he competed for Haiti in the Olympics. He was Mark Zuckerberg's roommate. He was with Book Bank. He was an intern with us for two years. And he's the one that recommended me, brought me up to Harvard. I didn't attend Harvard University. They acknowledged my work, which I thought was amazing. And I think that was the groundswell for a lot of other media to realize the work that I was doing, 
the connectivity that I had with my mentee, Samir Lane, who's one of the greatest leaders. He's now with Will Smith, working in Will's division. And I've had many people who have come through the program at uh, our mentoring program at BookBank that have helped change um, opportunities and created access to many people that need access. So that feels great. Wow, that's so cool, man. Can I, can I uh, jump into the sports side of things just for a second? So you've worked with some incredible athletes there. Who was the first person that you were managing their career with? So the first one would be Damian Robinson, who was number 22 of the New York Jets. He was a defensive back. Uh, I've worked with countless athletes. I mean, one of the more notable, most people go with uh, Asante Samuel, who we got $62 million for. Um, he was with the Patriots, and we moved him over to Philadelphia Eagles. Josh Evans, Antonio Freeman, just countless athletes. We've been blessed to be in that space. And um, it's something I'm proud of. I never thought I'd be in the, in the world of sports because I come from a music background, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's been great to have the whole gamut of entertainment, the whole cycle of it. It's been amazing. That's so cool. Glenn, what makes a champion in your eyes? I think a champion is somebody that has mastered the science of losing. Wow. The Tell science me that. of That's this, incredible. Well, this, well, the science of losing is someone that finishes in a lost, in a loss. They have lost, they stop, they're called a loser. Yeah. If you continue, even if you're sustaining losses, you're still competing. You're not a loser. You're in the process. Those that manage the losses, put those where they are, extract from it education, wisdom, systems, strategy, experience, and methodology. They master it by going back in the gym and taking that loss, coming back to the game. They end up with more gains than losses. That's a champion. Someone that can manage the losses, put them into their um, toolbox. Look at it as a reflective mirror. Why did I lose? Because he double pumped and I went for the ball. I, we missed it. I stumbled. My timing wasn't right. So you go in and you change that. You develop that, right? The business guy that goes into a value, make an evaluation on a deal and says, hey, listen, yo, we're not going to do this by doing on this pre-money eval. It doesn't make sense in what's happening with trends and markets, right? So we might miss our number. Let me have a backup strategy. Let me find a way to think what I can do. Should I go back and reforecast? That's what a winner does. So someone that has a loser's mentality might say, well, let's just get to the public markets. Let's just get to the debt markets. It doesn't really matter. Let's just get this thing out here. I'm going to be a hero. I'm the man, right? And you could literally hurt a lot of your investors and you could disrupt the ecosystem. So that person that is a champion knows they might have to come back, get some egg on their face, mm -hmm. be a bit embarrassed and say, hey, I made a mistake I missed. Hey, guys, I'm wrong. But guess what? Even if you took a loss that day, maybe later on, because you're a champion, you're going to stick to it and continue to fight through it. Be honest, be open, be a good person that has integrity, mm. right? Be a person that knows how to be a, a, a true competitor, competing within and without, that has good sportsmanship, that is a team player. That's a champion. Wow, that's super cool. You know, I love, I love the concept where you're saying there, the, the act or the, the process of losing doesn't make you a loser unless that's where the journey stops. Because at that point, right, you write off that experience and say, I am and, and the label comes into play, right? But if you continue yeah. on, then that just becomes a part of the process. And, and I Absolutely. think from anyone that's listening, Glenn, like that, that learning or that thought pattern to be able to say, no matter what they do, maybe they're in sales, they're an entrepreneur, they're running a business, whatever it yep. is, they're going to have yep. losses along the way. We, we know that, right? Yeah. And if, yeah. and if they the can game. absorb that mentality of a champion, then uh, that's got a good ending to that story. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And that's what it is. Hey, so um, moving from, from sports into music, do you find 
uh, like you've worked with some incredibly talented people like 50 Cent, for example. Do you find the same champions mentality in sports as in the highest levels of music and entertainment? So it's shifted, right? So I was more involved in LL Cool J's management with Charles Fisher on a day-to-day business basis. With LL Cool J, it was more philanthropy. We helped him start uh, G-Unity. He supported Bookbank Foundation in an advisory capacity. But he is a competitive guy, and he's a driven guy. You know, a lot yeah. of people that have been in disruptive situations in their lives are able to focus on it. The challenge is not just to get over the finish line and win, but imagine a winner that's a poor sport. He goes in, he knocks the guy unconscious, and then throws water in his face and, you know, just starts thumbing his nose up at the audience. Like, that's not really a champion, right? No. We want to see a winner that makes everybody feel good, even yeah. the losers, right? Yeah. Because the loser goes, you know, I have my dignity. I have my respect. That's a person I want to lose to. And I think that's the challenge in hip-hop that we need to see. That's the challenge in the music business is for people to be able to win, earn this money, and still be respectful to all of the elements, right? That's the fans putting out a good message, doing something that they quite naturally enjoy because they weren't born making money in music. So when you have all those elements, it makes a difference. But if you're winning, there's times when people win so much, they are losers. Right, they, they go around not, the whole cycle, right? The whole cycle. They're not enjoying the win. A lot really doesn't come from it. People don't notice it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What's um. What's been the biggest win for you so far, Glenn? Like, I mean, what an incredible journey you've been on. And let's just say it's the beginning, right? But what's, what's been the biggest win so far? What's the one that you sat back at the table, uh, everything else was dark and quiet, and you went, whoa. I think, you know, it, it hasn't been the deals because um, earning the money, it took years. But then once the money comes, you have this system. Yeah. So the money's always going to come. Whether it's hundreds of millions of dollars or $10,000, you're going to have the ability to earn money put yourself in the right situation, have good skills, be a team player. I think it's the transmodulation of being able to speak to core communities, people of different races, colors, creeds, ideologies. I mean, you're right there in Australia right now. What time is it again? Oh, it's uh, coming up to midday right now. Midday Thursday. I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's Wednesday night. We are communicating and this podcast is going to be heard and seen by millions of people at the end of the day when we're done, right? So mm-hmm. that being able to communicate, have my brother over there in Australia, I'm going to get over there and come see you. You're going to come this way. And we're going to create a culture that is, has an openness, right? Yeah. We do want to hear from everybody listening and everybody watching. You can communicate with me on Instagram or, or LinkedIn. I'm open. This is my brother. He's interviewing me. He's, he's talking to me. And we're creating an ecosystem that has value. You can look back at this interview in the past and hopefully in the future and extrapolate something from it. Wow, that's so cool. Like it, it, it becomes like, as you said, the word was ecosystem. Like it, it becomes a community where we can, where we can help everyone from a, a growth perspective, you know? So Glenn, tell me, let, let's do a little challenge right now. Somebody comes up to you. Um, maybe it was somebody that you impacted, you know, with, with the book bank 20 years ago. They're coming into their early 30s. They, 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 they t- catch up with you on the street. Hey, man, uh, you know, my, my family started. And they say to you, Glenn, I'm thinking of starting my own business. I, I just so admire what you've done. How, what advice would you give to that person who's starting out on an entrepreneurial journey? What, what would you take them right now? They said you made a big impact to them with that education. What are you going to tell them right now that's going to help them wrap that sort of mentality and get ready for the next fight? I'd say make sure you have three months of salary mm-hmm. so that you're able to take care of your immediate family. If you have children and a wife or a significant other or somebody else that is codependent on your earnings, make it six months. 
Then wait from nine to 12 before you start launching the business. Start developing it, whiteboard it, put it on a computer, put it on your desk, whiteboard everything out, scale it out and add to it. Create some type of model. That model could be a spreadsheet. That model could be a conversation that you're recording in your notes on your iPhone or your Samsung phone, whatever you use, and start to look at the curve over the next 12 months of where you think you want to be with your projections. Mm. Do not quit your job and immediately go because you've got the hottest new widget or you've got the next pet rock or you've discovered your favorite band or you have a app that you think is going to change the world and make you the next Zuckerberg. It's got to be three, six, nine, or 12 months scale it out, write it out, chart it out, have timelines, have takeaways. And that's the best way to go before you launch your business. Wow. That's like so much powerful advice right there. You guys, if you're listening to this, wind back just, you know, 120 seconds and listen to that again. That's uh, that's some really solid advice there. Glenn, what would somebody find surprising about you? If, if we, if we were catching up and you know, it's just a casual environment and uh, they, they found out something that was just, whoa, surprised about you. I think, let me think, this is one thing. Um, I like simple things. Nice. I like to, I like to read. Um, I'm starting, I love design, architecture, and I like to watch young people flourish. And I like to see the next generation move forward. I really like that. Just, just watching, I think we should have hope and faith in Generation X, Z. The millennials have faith. So many people are hating on them giving them a tough time. I have confidence that these new generations are going to make the past generations, um, you know, give them a reason to smile. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Taking that one step further then, if you had an opportunity to stand on stage in front of school children, so let's say primary school children, the toughest audience of all. And we said, you know, we've got a room full of seven year old to 12 year old kids. They know you. Let's say that they let's put some context around this. So they know you. They know the people that you've worked with. So there's already this awe when you walk in the room. What's the message you're going to give to a room full of kids? Well, the message is um, you got to stay, go back to basics. I'd say if it's not working for you, how many kids want to be a superstar? I do. Well, are you a good singer? Do you know, do you, are you able to write music? Do you know anything about technology if you're doing electronic music? So no matter what you do in your creative thinking and your imagination, which is what makes you different than everybody else, make sure you're going back to the basics. That nice car that you like, that Ferrari, that Lamborghini has an engine. And when it's working, you can't see it. That singer is counting measures and remembering lyrics. All you see is that amazing person on stage singing, but you can't see it. Wow. When you see your rabbi, your minister, your shaman, whoever it is, and they're giving you um, or your imam, whatever it is, and he's giving you these inspiring words from the universe or from God, you can't see the next word coming sometimes unless it's written. Mm. And if it's written and you know it, that means you did the work. Do the work. Do the work. Be the Michael Johnson on the free throw line throwing a thousand shots before dinner. <laughs> right. Right. Do the right. work. You know, absolutely. Do yeah. the work that's, that's needed. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a, a super strong message to a, to a room full of kids who want to be superstars. Like, break it down into basics and, and, and concentrate and be good at what you're doing. What about to a room full of graduate students, Glenn, where you've got, they've got the, the degree, they've got the board hat, you know, I know you've got a PhD, which is a, a huge honor. Um, like this is a group of kids that are, that are about to go out into the real world armed with a college degree and the, the will to change. What would, what would you say to that group? I would say to them with all the wisdom and all the experience that you get, 
if the mar markets change, the paradigm shift, and you are reduced to absolutely nothing, what do you have? Mm. Who are what you? What do you have? Who are you? And if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you have, the next question is you'll ask yourself, what am I and what have I become? Yeah. It's always back to the basics. It's always back to the basics. Absolutely. Was there a, uh, I kind of morphed away from this line of questions at the beginning because I've, I've just, I really want to delve into the, the, the amazing life that you've had. Do you remember a time looking in the mirror and having that, there's nobody else around, who am I discussion with yourself? I did, for me, it was less who I am. It was always who I'm going to be. I'd watch superheroes and say, I want to be a superhero. I want to be, uh, I want to make a difference. You yeah. know, why was that? Why am I here? I said, you know, I have so much, I've had so much access to so many things. And the richest people and the smartest people and people that had two parents in the household and my friends, I noticed my brother and I, we were always polite and fun and interesting and we were smart. Our education and our wit was as attractive as anything else anybody else had. Mm. So I think I never had those moments where I was saying, oh, I should be more. Why did this happen to me? I was always, I can't wait till I get my chance. Wow. I know I'm as good as anybody. Just give me my chance and let me prove it. Wow. And again, like from a message, uh, you know, I'm as good as anybody out there. Open the gate and let me run. That, that's, that, <laughs> that alone, take that with you guys. You're listening or watching this wherever you are in the world. Take that from Glenn Toby and, and moving forward, you're as good as anybody else, open the gate and, and let it run. Glenn, if you had the opportunity to do your life over, would you change anything? What would you do differently now that you know what you know? I wouldn't change anything. The only thing I think I would change, well, I wouldn't change my suffering. I wouldn't change my life assignment. I um, would want to be want to learn more and take in some of the time, some of the time that you wasted, like you wasted some time coming along in life, right? Yeah. Sure. So I would want to, I would want to waste less time, right? I'd want to be a little bit more productive and that's it. I'd take right. my losses with my wins. That's why we're at the winner's circle. That's why you keep playing the game. So moving that forward then, because what I love about that question is, is the, the reflection as we move that forward. So now let's look 20 years from now and we look at Dr. Glenn Toby 20 years from now, in the life of your dreams, like this is, this is the Glenn Toby in the future that you really are aspiring to become. You have an opportunity to hear from that man talking back to you. What do you think he's going to tell you to make sure that you hit the target that is being set right now? Measure every step. Measure your thoughts. Measure your ideals. Keep an open, keep an open space. There's always a place to put more love, more wisdom, more capacity. Stay in motion whether that's working out physically, whether that's in motion by being involved in your community, whether it's motion or emotion, stay mm. alive. Mm. Physical motion is exercise that keeps you alive. Emotion with cognitivity is a healthy human being, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Yeah. You bring it all around and just keep feeding it and keep coming. Go to work every day, you wake up. Go to work to be a better person. Go to work to communicate and be open. You know, We wanna live, not exist. I love, the, I love the idea of leaving space, you know, to allow that to happen rather than, I think so many of us uh, are so busy being busy, you know, that we, that we block that off, the opportunity to have 
that open top of the funnel kind of thing or that open sponge coming in. I, I love that, that concept of leave space for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So what, what are you working on now, man? Like where will we see, uh, where will we see your horizons coming through? Well, I have a, a very um, strong consulting business where we advise wealthy families, companies, new start companies, some in technology, some in science, some in music, some in fitech. And uh, one of my passion projects is I own uh, two Basquiat, Jean-Michel Basquiat. I own Renzo and uh, Per Capita. And it's on a tour called the King's Exhibition. And we've been touring it around the country. I actually had the honor of purchasing it from Pop International Galleries, which uh, the owner is Jeff Jaffe, a dear friend of mine. And those uh, two works, I got uh, the honor of meeting his father, Gerard Basquiat, and I purchased them from the estate. Now we're showcasing them everywhere. Wow. And it is a way of extending education with the Bookbank Foundation, and we're also earning money and employing people with this as well. Wow, that's so good, man. That's amazing. I, I'm so excited for the future. And Glenn, I, honestly, I, I'm so respectful of your time. Thank you so much for the chance to just come and jam with you for a couple of, uh, couple of minutes. Um, the philosophy that you have where the, the constant source of knowledge and education, the ability to stand up and keep going after losses, the, the willingness to, to accept love and, and uh, you know, uh, I guess, community around you, is, it shines through to me from, from a mile away, man. And I'm so grateful for the chance to connect. Uh, and I look forward to every success for you. Um, can I ask you a, a book-based question? Obviously, being the founder of the Book Bank, has there been Absolutely. a book that you've gifted more often than not? What's the, what's the book that you've given the most as a gift? Well, I'd say my, the book, my coming of age book was The Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. I think uh, the book of books for me was the Bible, um, not even on a religious basis, just on stories and principles and applications and the book of life experience. It's been my best. And I tell you, Walt, to be honest, these new books are these experiences that we get every day, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, to many of you business people who are really busy and adults who, who are time constraint, have time constraints, get out your, your YouTube and, and, and listen to podcasts and video casts and, and, and do that, you know, get a magazine. If you're rushing with three, four magazines and it's your magazine, rip out the pages of the stories that you want and force yourself to read it like it's medication. We're going to be forced to take medication when we get older. We're going to be forced to do many things as we get older just to be able to live. We'll force yourself into reading because it's important to keep up. And we have so many ways we can download it with audio books, but we have so many distractions with, these alerts going off on the, on the uh, mobile phones, we have to read, continue to read to stay up. Otherwise it's just gossip. Yeah, that's it. That's it. What an amazing lesson to finish with. Keep reading, keep learning, leave space open for love. I love it, man. Just uh, awesome. Glenn, thank you so much for your time. I'll, I'll let you get back to your evening and to your family and uh, huge respect. I can't wait to, uh, to hear more from, from what's coming down the line from you. And uh, again, just thank you so much for your time. And thank you, Walt. What you're doing is amazing. I want to say to all the listeners, Take this show seriously. I mean, this man's research is incredible. This is a great platform. Again, I'm here in North America talking to you in Australia, and this relationship grows. We're going to stay in touch. That's Let's it. share um, you know, social media and make the world bigger than it is. The world is bigger than its physical size. Let's make it bigger. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Glenn. Have a great evening, man. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. 
This is the Agency Bud system at agencybud.com. We're aiming to bring you the very best people to help you grow your digital agencies in the world. Plus, the Agency Bud system can add significantly to anybody's online business. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to speaking to you on the next episode.